So we're going to learn today the Sicha from the Parsha of Matos and Mase. It's a double uh, Parsha this week called Matos and Mase. It's the last two Parshas of the Book of Numbers of Bamidbar. And it's from volume 18 of Lakute Sichos. Now, I just want to make mention of the uniqueness of this Sicha, that it's a combination of talks that the Rebbe gave over four different Fabrengans, over four different years. So it's actually a collection of one theme that he spoke on a Shabbos that was also Matos and Masoy together, two Parshas, in 1969, and then in 1973, and then in 1975, program where yeshiva boys go around to small communities and look for Jews to bring Torah to them and so on. So in Crown Heights, it could get uh, quite empty. Although Shabbos Mavarchim, the Shabbos before Rosh Chodesh, is a guarantee that there was a Fabrengen. Many people stayed for that. People would come back from the country. I remember in 1989, I went to a summer program that was only maybe two and a half hour drive from Crown Heights. And our yeshiva boy group, we used to take rent a 15-passenger taxi van and come to Crown Heights to 770 every Shabbos to hear the Fabrengen. But it was so different. The crowd was so much emptier that I remember being only 15 years old and I was able to sit, not just stand on the farther out benches in the shul, but to sit maybe five feet in distance from the Rebbe that whole summer. Just showing you how you know, emptier the crowd was. But nevertheless, people always understood that the Rebbe's messages were so profound and super helpful, and especially you'll see in today's theme uh, that anybody that ever feels down, especially if you feel down or struggle during this period of time of the year between the 17th of Tammuz, which is the fast day when Jerusalem was put under siege, and then for three weeks of Jews were being murdered, killed, star- starved, and so on, until the eventual destruction of the temple. And both temples were destroyed on the 9th of Av, three weeks later. So you could really feel good reason to feel down. So by learning this Sicha, and that's why so much work was put into it, because his, the Rebbe's profound uh, encouragement and strength actually shows us a whole new perspective in how to view the strength that we get from this double Parsha. So let's begin with this. We spoke many times quoting the famous sage called the Shalah. The Shalah is the name of his books called the Shnei Luchas Abris. And the Shalah was a very famous holy sage. And he writes that the Parsha of the week that we read every week is connected to the time of the year of when it gets read. As well, it's understood that the Parsha of Matos and Masai, these two double Parsha that we're going to we read this week, is always read in the three weeks. And the three weeks are called Bain Hamatsarim, between the two boundaries of the 17th of Thomas and Tishabah. So the, the double Parsha is 
is so connected to this time of the year that's always read. Because these parshas are always read during these three weeks, so there must be a direct connection to the theme of the three weeks. Where do you see in a simple reading the connection between the three weeks and the Parsha of Matos and Maso? So simply, simply understood, in the Parsha of Matos, Moshe mentions to the two tribes of the children of the tribes of Gud and the tribe of Reuben just before the Jews were about to go westbound over the Jordan River into Israel. These two tribes came to Moshe and they begged that because our flocks are so many, our families and our properties, our belongings are so many, it will be too difficult for us to settle down in Israel. Let us stay on the eastern side of the Jordan River. Moshe rebukes them at the time saying, are you kidding? You're going to be sending, all the Jews are going to go over to fight for the land and you're going to stay on this side? And don't you realize, Moshe mentions in length, don't you realize the sin of the spies that they came back and brought fear on the rest of the Jews to go into the land of Israel? That caused God to punish us to stay 40 more years in the desert. So Moshe mentions this severity about the sin of the spies in the parsha of Matos, in the first parsha, which is very comparable to the whole theme of the exile, which is something that started in the beginning of the three weeks. That's what led to the eventual destruction of the temple, which eventually led to kicking us out of Israel, and to the whole long exile that we're in now. So you see a direct connection of something mentioned strongly in the Parsha of Matos to the three weeks. And also in the Parsha of Masai, Masai means the travelings, we actually cover 42 travelings that we had from when we left Egypt until we made it into the land of Israel. That's what we cover in the second parsha called the parsha of the travelings. Now the Medrash tells us that Hashem told Moshe to count and specify all the places that we moved during these 40 years because these are the places that got me angry. So I want you to emphasize that these are the places where it caused me to get angry at the Jews. That's why it says, these are the travelings of the children of Israel, which is basically the same theme of the three weeks, traveling in the time of exile, which is suffering. And then even in Parsha Masai, we even have another thing that's connected to exile because it mentions regarding the cities of refuge, which is if somebody, by mistake, kills somebody, an unintentional murder basically allows a person to run to these cities of refuge to have some kind of protection. So again, what's the point? Exile. You're going into an exile into these cities of refuge to be protected, but it's an exile. You you have to be isolated there. You can't move. You can't make any move out of there. So again, you see from this clearly that the parsha of Masai is also connected directly to the theme of exile, which is about started from these three weeks that we're in now. You could also make the comparison of the two Parshas to something that the Shalah himself writes. He says that in Parshas Matos, it speaks about the sin, about making promises that you can't fulfill or a a vow or, or oath that you can't fulfill because any oaths that you cannot fulfill is actually a blemish on your soul. So there's a lot of laws regarding the subject of making oaths which and 
You also have the sin of, as we just said, the unintentional murder, murder killings of somebody else, which is a sign of death in the body. And that's what it speaks about in the second Parsha. So these are things that actually the, 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 the sin for your soul and the sin for the body is what caused ultimately the destruction of both temples. Like the Shalah explains it in length. So the point is that we have sad things that are mentioned in both Parshas and that's connected to the sad thing of what the whole three weeks is about. Says the Rebbe, we could also say that the connection between both Parshas and the three weeks is not just in regarding to the exile that's hinted, the exile that came, comes out of these three weeks. But on the contrary, we could find a good connection of both of the Parshas and not just a connection, a strength that we could derive from these Parshas during the three weeks in order to get out of the exile. In other words, the simple connection of the Parshas to the three weeks is showing the sadness of it, the negativities that are mentioned. But he says, really, we could also explain that there's something about both of the Parshas, Matos and Masai, that's going to give us a strength how to deal with the three weeks, how to get out of what we're in now in this long exile. Now, how do you explain the positive part of this? So he says like this, just like in a literal sense, all laws of mourning that we have during these three weeks. During the three weeks, we have laws of mourning. I'm just going to throw out some examples. It doesn't go through them here because maybe we all know it. But basically, you cannot make weddings during these three weeks. You're not allowed to, to have to take a haircut during these three weeks. It's a lot of things that you're not allowed to do. There are people that don't, because you can't take haircuts, they won't shave in the three weeks, even if they have a way that they feel they can do it. So there's many things. There are laws of mornings during these three weeks. You're not allowed to buy new clothes during these three weeks. So you see that there's a morning. Nevertheless, even though there's a morning period during these three weeks, we know that on Shabbos, you're not allowed to mourn. As it says, eight eights of you're not allowed to have depression on Shabbos. And on the contrary, not just you're not allowed to be depressed, there's a mitzvah to have pleasure on Shabbos. So you see that the whole concept of the three weeks did not, does not affect Shabbos, because Shabbos, you have to have pleasure, you have to be in a joyful mood. So comes out, if you think about it in a more deeper thinking, like the Tzemach Tzedek explains, that the Shabbases, those Shabbases, that the, the three Shabbases that you have during these three weeks are in a level that are, that's like the expression that's brought down in many places that God brings the healing before he brings a womb. In other words, before Hashem makes a sickness in this world, he always creates the medicine for it. We now have to go figure out what the medicine is, but it's somewhere there, it exists in this world. So by having a Shabbos for the three weeks, Shabbos is the healing, is the medicine for the mourning period. So too it's understood, how much more so, regarding the Parshas of the Torah that we read during this time. Because it says, Zion, Israel or Jerusalem, will be redeemed through 
Mishpat. Mishpat means judgment, but it means here through the studies of Torah. Veshaveha, and it will be, the captive will be taken out through charity. That's what the verse says, a clear verse. So it's understood that the portions of Torah that we read, that we read and study during these three weeks is the healing for the womb, which is the exile. So that means it's not just the healing, it is the lesson, the takeaway, and the strength of how we could, we're going to soon learn what the strength is, but the strength that we take out for the three weeks, which brings us to the ultimate gladness and joy and to the holidays. Now, since everything we learn in the Torah is always very precise, just like all worldly things are all by divine province. Everything that we learn, Torah is also very precise. So it's understood that when there is a setup in the calendar, like this year, where Parsha Matos and Masai are read together, these two parts are read together as one, you have a special lesson and a special unique strength that helps us in our service during these three weeks. Simply speaking, in the years when Matos and Masai are separated in two different weeks based on the calendar system, that's how that could work. So if Matos and Masai is read in two separate weeks, then, then you read only three Parshas in the three weeks. You're going to read Matos, Matos one week, week one, Masai the week two, and then Parsha Dvarim the week three. But when Matos and Masai is read together, you actually end up with four Parshas during the three weeks. You had last Shabbos, for example, we read Parsha Pinchas. This week you're going to read Matos and Masai. And then the, a week Shabbos, you're going to read Devarim. So you end up reading four Parshas in the three weeks. And there are certain years, like one of these years where the Rebbe put together this Sicha, was also, the 17th of Tammuz wasn't on a Thursday like now, but the 17th of Tammuz was on a Shabbos. So that day, Shabbos, you read Parsha Balak. And then you had three weeks where you read Pinchas and the Matas Masa and then Dvarim. So you got even four, you got an extra, a extra one out of that. Now, since most years, majority of years on the Jewish calendar, the way the calendar cycles are, our, our, our workout, which is brought down in the Shulchan Aruch, in the great lengthy Shulchan Aruch, it brings down the whole calculations of how to figure out the whole cycles, the lunar and the, and the, and the, and the solar systems and the leap years and non-leap years, the whole thing. Most years, you read Matos and Masse together. That means that when it's together, there's an extra special strength of healing which Hashem preceded for the Womb, in this case, for the three weeks. It's also understood that this great strength is connected not just to many things in the Torah, but specifically the, a lesson for these weeks where Matas and Masai have a special connection to the time of when it's read. So not just the fact that it's a double parchment, even the fact that it's read in this time of the year. So now let's understand the significance of this double parsha and what they are. So he says, let's understand this by way of introduction. There are some years, some weeks, some Shabbosim, some Shabboses, where you have two parshas together. That does not mean that there's, that 
in one Shabbos, you're reading two separate Parshas. What it really means is that the two Parshas are viewed as one Parsha. Like this week, Matos Amasai, it's actually considered to be like one long Parsha. In other words, you don't say, let's read on Shabbos in the morning, let's read one Parsha in the afternoon, another one. No, you have to read both Parshas together in one, you know, at one time, at one period. And when you read them together, how many people get called up to the Torah? Also only seven. Like every week you call up seven people to Aliyah, seven people get called to the Torah. And also when you study Chitas, when you're learning now the Chayenu, or you're learning the Chitas, the daily Chomesh, you divide up the two parshas together as in seven parts. Like seven people get called to the Torah. That shows you more that it's considered to be like one long parsha. And you find more that the people that get called up to the Torah, they do a blessing before and a blessing after only to that week's, to the, for the seven alias of the double Parsha together. So it's like really one long Parsha. Well, in that case, we have to understand, since in essence, they are two separate Parshas, like we have many years when the two Parshas get read separately, shouldn't we have left some kind of differentiation that there are two separate parshas? In other words, even when they're together, should we not call them or make some kind of separation that they are two separate parshas? Like some years where they are read separately? So he says, no, the fact is, the fact that when they're together, it's considered to be, we must say, it's clear, that it's like one long parsha. And it has one big theme. And that's why when you say that the Torah is divided into 53 sedras, parshas, gan. Gan is like the Gan Eden, Garden of Eden. Gan is a numerical value of 53. So it's known that there are 53 parshas. And when, and how do you divide up it, some, there's really maybe 54 parshas, but nevertheless, two parshas sometimes are counted as one. And in this case, these two are counted as one parsha even when you calculate the 53 different parshas. So we have to understand in our context, since seemingly, in the first parsha of Matos, and in Masai, it seems like there's no connection between these two parshas. Not like some of the double parshas where there seems to be a very close connection between the two. Over here, Matos and Maso is two different themes. He says, let's look at it simply. In parsha Matos, what does it speak about? The commandments that we were told all about the vows, vows and, and oaths and so on. When were we told this? All at the end of the 40 years in the desert. That's what it speaks about in Matos. So Parsha Matos is talking only about one period of history, about the end of the 40 years. But Parsha Masai is very different. It's talking about the 42 travelings that we had from when we left Egypt 40 years ago, all the way until we get into Israel. That means the second Parsha is not just one period at the end of the 40 years. The second Parsha is covering actually three whole books of the Torah. Three of the five books of Moses is covered all in the Parsha of Masai. The book of Exodus, the book of Leviticus, and the book of Numbers are all included in this period of time about these travelings that we had from when we left Egypt. So it seems like the first Parsha, Matos and Masai, actually don't have any connection. One is talking about only the end of the 40 years, and one is talking about all the 40 years together. 
Says the Rebbe like this. We have spoken many times based on a teaching from the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov, now the Rebbe elaborates on this teaching from the Baal Shem Tov in the Tanya. Fascinating idea that the, every Hebrew word that's used for something gives the, those, those, the Hebrew word gives the energy to the substance. So in the Tanya, he elaborates, explaining the Baal idea, he basically says, let's say the word for a rock is Evan. So those letters that spell out Evan, Aleph, Beis, Nun, those are the letters of energy that gives life to a rock, Aleph, Beis, Nun. And I, you're going to say, there are many things that those words are not even in the Torah, many creations that we have today in the world. So those are the Hebrew letters subdivided and broken down into many more layers and levels until the energy goes there. But the point here is one thing from here, that the Vashantar teaches you that the word is what gives the energy from everything. Therefore, in our case with two Parshas, the word Matos and the word Masai, the name of these two Parshas, gives the energy and the message of the whole Parsha. And how do Jews reference the name of this Parsha, Matos or Masai? But that's what we call both Parshas. Actually, the Rebbe brings in a footnote that the Rambam and also the Torah Shulchan Aruch have a different name for this parasha. They called Rashi HaMatos, the heads of the Matos. Matos, by the way, we're soon going to learn, means a tribe or the tribes. So Rambam calls it Rashi, the heads of the Matos. For Parsha Matos, he calls it Ela Masai. These are the travelers. In other words, they use two words, not just one word for the name of the Parsha. But the point is, Jews today, Minog Yisrael, custom of Jews today is, for the last who knows how long, we call Parsha Matos and Parsha Masai with these words. So what is it in these words that gives away the clue to the energy and strength, vitality, blessings that we get for these three weeks in these names of these Parshas? So he says like this, when you call the tribes, in English we call it the tribe, there's only one word. But if you look in biblical text, there's two words that are used in reference to the tribes. To, to say the word tribe, you say either Shevet, or like you say the 12 Shvatim, the Yud Beis Shvatim, right? The 12 Shvatim, which means the 12 tribes. Or you say Matos, these are the tribes, the Matos. Or you say these are the heads of the Matos. These are the heads of the tribes. So we have two different words. Now remember, we just said that the Hebrew word gives the, the whole energy, the whole life to what the thing means. Well, what's the difference between these two words? We have two words. Obviously, there's a reason. There's a difference whether you call the tribe a Shevet or whether you call it a Matos. So he says the difference in the Hebrew words of a Shevet and a Matos is the following. Shevet means like a twig, a branch. You take a branch, that's st- it's still soft, usually because it's still connected to the tree. Or even if you ripped it off, but it still, it still has life in it. It's still like alive. You wouldn't call it fully dead. There's a moist in it. That's when you say the word, shave it. When we use the word matos, 
even though we use matos for the word try, but by the way, we also have in the Torah many other times with the same word matos. God tells Moses, take your mata and hit something. It means take your staff. It's taking a wood stick. So again, the word matos refers to a stick that's hard. It already hardened and it's strong. The, the reason for the difference of these two names when you say shevet, it means a branch that still has some life, some vitality, and sometimes it's still connected to its source of life to the tree. Therefore, it's still soft and it's bendable, etc. But when you say the word mata, you're talking about when the branch is already ripped off from the source. It has no more life from the tree. And that's why now it's harder, it's, it's a hard stick. So too we have the same two differences by Jews. We have both Shvatim and Matos which emphasize the idea of the souls of the Jews that are that root that are rooted from a tree with godliness. As it says, our God Ilna de Laela, it says like we get our energy from a higher level kind of tree. But the difference is, when you say the word Shabbatim, you're talking about the way the soul, the way it's connected still with godliness in a revealed way. The way you see in the Jew, you can see that they're still connected. That's why you use the word Shevet, which represents like the twigs, the branches that are still connected with its life to the tree. And you can see in it that it's still a live branch. So that represents the level of the soul, the way the soul is still in the higher world before it comes down into the body. Because when the soul is still in the higher world, it's connected to its source, to, to, to godliness. However, when you say matos, you're talking about the Jew where it's not noticeable, his connection to the source. It's like that wood stick that's dried and hard, but you don't see that it's coming from, you don't recognize, you can't see its life, that it's getting where it's getting its source of life from, because it's disconnected from the tree completely. That's talking about the way your soul comes down into the world, into a body, into your, with your animal soul. So that's the part of your soul that descends down into this world and it becomes more materialistic, and more distance from where you, the recognition that it comes from the higher tree. Now that's what it means here in the Parsha of Matos and Masay. Now that you understand the difference of the Shevet and the Mata, that Shevet is where it's, it's noticeably connected to its source. Mata means to stick the way it's not noticeable. And in your soul, it means the way your soul descends into its body. That means you don't see in the soul the natural connection that it has to godliness. So that's what the Parsha of Matos emphasizes. Matos is the Parsha that has the name of Matos, which means the way the soul came down into this world and the way it became more materialistic, more connected with the body and things that are more disconnected from the source. However, the second parsha, Masai, Masai shows that you go away from your earlier stage. Masai means the traveling. What does it mean to travel? Travel means the movement. You're moving. Which, what does it mean moving? When we traveled the 42 travels, we were constantly moving to get closer to the Holy Land of Israel. 
to get to a higher place. That means in your service to Hashem, you're traveling and movement from your neshama, even though your soul came down to this world in a way of matos, where it's not noticeable its connection, but through Masai, I'm now going to have an ascent, because that's called traveling. Traveling means moving up from the descent. So the soul, before it comes out into this world, it's called, it's interesting, before the soul comes into this world, a soul is called a stationary soul. It's not a moving soul. We're stationary. Your soul doesn't really move much. It doesn't have a ride. It doesn't go up from a roller coaster. It just stays still. It's called oimate. It stands still. Even when it, the soul is, is involved in a love for God or a fear of God, it's all with limitations because it's all comparable to the place where it's standing to. It doesn't really move far. It doesn't make progress. Therefore, even when it goes to a higher level, it never made a real progress. It's still connected to the earlier level that the soul was. So the soul can't really move much at all. So we call it, it moves teeny bits. But it's so, it's, it's so not noticeable, the movement. So we call it that it's stationary. It's always at the same level. But when the soul comes down into this world, all the way down into the body... Then it becomes matos. It's disconnected like that disconnected stick. But but through this, that the soul in the body could now study Torah and it could perform a mitzvah, which is the wisdom and the desires of Hashem. Now your soul moves in to not a stationary level soul. Now your soul starts moving. It's masai. It becomes a mahalich. It's a going soul in levels and in measurements that are way beyond, non-comparable to the level the way it was before. So that's an amazing concept. Just think about that concept. Your soul, before it comes down into this world, it's stationary. Once it comes down into a journey, down into the body, now it could go on a fast ride because now you're doing Torah, mitzvahs, you have special opportunities that you could do only because now you have your, your soul has the body. So it can now like start to fly. So that's what you see in Matos and Masse. Matos represents the descent of the soul, just like a stick that detaches from its source, hence the name Matos. And Masai shows on movement. Now I can start moving and going to higher levels. Now, this is all in the speaking generally, in general terms. That the soul is hinted in the parasha of Matos and the reward is in Masai. Right? Matos descend, the reward is it's moving and getting even higher. But let's get more specific, says the Rebbe. And he says if you get more specific, more in details, you can actually see that in both Parshas, you have a descent and also the efforts of the soul, you're working through Torah and mitzvahs, and you also could see the reward that comes out of it. You're now going to see all three stages. Descend, then your work of Torah mitzvahs, and then the ascend that comes after that, which is the reward. The, the stiffness, the harsh, the hardness and strength of these motto sticks doesn't just show on the soul the way it becomes separate from godliness when it comes down to this world. It also shows on another thing. When you say a stick, what do you mean by that? A stick means stubbornness. It's strong. It's hard. That shows 
on a level of your practicing of Torah mitzvahs that you do it in a way I'm strong with myself. You're not a weakling, shavet, a branch or a twig that bends over every second. You're matos, you're firm. Like a firm stick is firm. So the parsha matos is not just a descent from your soul which emphasizes the detachment. It also shows on a positive thing. It shows on firmness. I'm firm in my stand. Why do you have to be firm? Because if you're firm, then you could stand and you could move through anything that disturbs your body and your animal soul that comes to your body that comes to disturb you and any worldly things that come to disturb you because you realize I have to stand like a strong, firm stick. What does it mean a firm stick? It means not to be affected by any obstacles that get into my way, anything that makes things become concealed. I don't care, I, I can't see the benefit, I can't see why I'm davening, why I'm keeping Shabbos, and so on and so forth. You do it because you have a firm resolution in you. You become the matos. Matos, in other words, is not just the negative that your soul descended, it's also the positive side that you're firm like a hard wood that nobody can bend. Nobody can bend you. Now, while a Jew being down here on this world does his service of Torah and mitzvahs with a strong emphasis of being firm, not to be affected by any kind of concealment that hits that comes to you. Then you get a reward. What's the reward for serving Hashem with firmness, not to be shaking? You know the way it is, by the way. Let's just bring our own example. A person says, I'm going to start to keep kosher, right? Then a friend comes to you one day and says, Levy, let's go out for lunch. And you say, listen, I started keeping kosher. We can only go to a kosher restaurant. And your friend starts laughing. Are you kidding? Come on, you, you must be kidding. You must be joking. They try to cool you down from your passion. But if you're firm in your resolution, they can't bend you. This is what it is. This is where I am. This is where I'm standing now. So firmness is key. Now, once you are firm, not to become affected or pushed over by anything that comes, tries to blow you away, then you get a reward, and that is there's a revelation of a place in your soul that's very deep that's called Eitan Shabineshama. Eitan, the word name Eitan, Eitan means strong, strength. I remember once uh, somebody came to the Rebbe once on Sunday Dollars and he said, my name is Ethan. I never got a Hebrew name. And the Rebbe said, the best name, name yourself Eitan because that means strength. That's such a key thing that we need today, right? To be strong. So if you serve Hashem like a matos, like a firm, strong stick that doesn't bend, you're, you're, that's the positive side of this, then you get a reward. You get this bonus that Hashem reveals to you a deep eight sun, eitan strength of your soul, even more than the level of your soul when it was called a shavit. Because first your soul was called a shavit, which meant a branch where it's noticeably connected to its source. Then you turned into a matos, which means you now not so noticeable to your source. Ah, now we're going to reveal the part of your soul, which is also that strong matos too. So now you realize, oh my gosh, I have this amazing extra oomph in me 
to continue to serve Hashem like this. So in Parsha Matos alone, you have all three things. You have the Matos referencing the soul that descends. You have the second level of working hard like a, a firm Strong stick, you meaning you're, you're serving Hashem firm and you get the reward because you get also the strength of your soul now is now pops out. Now he says the same two you also have in the second parsha of Masai. Masai means plural for travelings, many travels. That means you're traveling, you could be traveling from above down here into this world and that's called the service of serving Hashem in a way of traveling because once I'm down or now I got to serve Hashem and work my way and travel upwards, right? The descent is for the ascend, higher and higher. And what's going to be my reward? That I will, my soul will not just go upwards, but it will start becoming a moving, a moving entity. Like we said before, before your soul comes down to this world, we said your soul is stationary. But once you start doing Torah mitzvahs, it becomes a moving train. It's going fast speed now. Your soul is now moving because you now move to a level higher than the way you were before. Now, based on all of this, it's understood the connection of Matas and Masai to the three weeks. What's the connection to the three weeks? Both parishes, Matas and Masai shows on descent, the, aset, the strength that you get to serve Hashem and then the reward that comes from it. Now we can appreciate the connection to the three weeks. The, the novelty of Matos and Masai, which is that the soul comes down and through the avoda, through its service with, with, with firmness, and then you get also the reward, right? All that we just said is emphasized mainly when you're going to go into the ride of exiles, meaning in the three weeks. Now let's analyze this, he says. What's the difference the way life was when we had the temple in Jerusalem to when the temples were destroyed and we in exile? We're now considered in exile, right? We say that we're 2,000 years in exile, right? 2023 today, we're basically 2,000 years in exile. Why do we reference that from after the temple's destroyed? So he says there's a major difference in the way we live during temple times and the way life is after temple times. During temple times, the Mishnah says that there were 10 miracles that were revealed all the time to our forefathers in the temple. You can look it up in Ethics of Our Fathers in the Mishnah there. It tells you there the uh, what the 10 miracles are. Anytime you walked into the temple, there was 10 miracles. That means during temple times, you were able to see godliness in a revealed way. Therefore, obviously, you were humble to God. You felt the connection to God. And that's obvious. Even like it says, not just do you come to the temple to see God, you even came to the temples to be seen. That's how special it was at the time. And Jews served God with love and awe. So you can't say that people were in the level those days of matos, like a separated branch where it's not noticeable. But the Jews in the time of the temples, they were like the level of a shavit. They were like the branch that's noticeably still alive and connected to the source. Therefore, they didn't need to have any extra special strength to to perform mitzvahs to study Torah. Therefore, it's self-understood that they didn't need to have a revelation of that deep level of your soul called Eitan. 
They didn't need that. They were naturally in tune to godliness. They saw the miracles every day. But after the temple was destroyed, in the times of exile, when godliness is not revealed, and we don't feel the godliness the way we felt it during temple time, and there are so many levels of concealment on godliness, therefore, Jews are now in a stage of amatos, Meaning, it's not noticeable, the connection from the stick to the source, to the, to the tree. In other words, with godliness, it's not noticeable that we're connected to God. Therefore, we need to do something to work and have this amazing deep strength that we never had to access that before. All of a sudden, in the time of exile, we have to access a much deeper place in, of strength to be this matos in order to overcome any obstacles that get into our way from our service of studying Torah and doing mitzvahs. And not just that, we even need to reach a level that we, should, that we could transform darkness into light. And therefore, we also need to have the reward for the matas, which is a revelation of such a strong place in our soul, that Eitan level that has to be revealed in our times. Because we're in the times of exile. It's very interesting, by the way, the Rebbe points out in a footnote that how come it, it's so that the Rambam and the Torah Shochanar, why did they call the name of the Parshas a slightly different than the way we call it? We call it Matos and Masai. They called it Rashi HaMatos and Ela Masai. The Rebbe says, you know why Jews in the last hundreds of years call it with these names? Because as the exile continues, we now are... We, we kind of are having a more and more of a descent. We're more and more farther away from temple times. Therefore, we, since the exile, the darkness of the exile has gotten stronger, therefore, Jews called themselves with these names to tell you that, to emphasize this idea, that the neshama looks more disconnected than it used to be, but at the same time, it also awakens in us a recognition that we now have this extra strength. Because the more the stick is farther from the tree, meaning it looks more disconnected from its source of life, it also emphasizes more that it's a strong stick. It's not moist and wet and weak and bendable. So you now realize that you have this extra strength. And therefore, you also have the extra revelation of your neshama, that strong place of your neshama. Now he continues. All this is talking about regarding the parsha of Matos and Masai alone. Each one standing alone has its own disteem. But he says that this theme could be when Matos and Masai are read in two different Shabbases. But since most years, majority of years, Matos and Masse are read together, that means we have a, even a greater strength that we get from a year's when they're read together. And since most years they get together, that means there's something special about these two parishes. And not just that it gives you an extra kayach, but it actually also makes this it possible to serve God even easier or like he uses the word in Yiddish here, it makes the ability to serve God leichter. Leichter means lighter. It makes it lighter. It makes it easier. It's not so heavy. 
Why? Where do you see this? So he explains this. Because in Matos, what did we say? Parsha Matos is the idea of the descent of the soul into the exile. Like we said, it's detached from the source. It's like our soul detaching, coming down. That's emphasized in the Maasai that now I'm going to have a traveling. I'm going to move. Who made that we should start to move? Who made this movement? Ah, look what it says in Maasai. It says, when did we know to move and when did you know to stop? How did you know the Jews? How did three million Jews know when to move and when to stop? Right? So we know when the clouds picked up and started to move, you moved. That's why it's called the GPS, the God's positioning system. So when the GPS moved, that's how you knew to move. Right? So as the verse actually says, Al pi Hashem Yiso. On the word of God, we moved. Exactly that, these words. Al pi Hashem, on the mouth of God, we moved. In other words, with God's instruction, by doing this with the cloud, that's how we knew to move. That tells you that we have an extra strength here during exile. If you remember that who put us into exile, how do you move in exile? It's all based, movements is based on God moving you. That's how it was in the Parsha. So too, this service of Matos, when it's together with Masai, the two Parshas, it gives you the strength of the Torah that in any situation that a Jew finds himself to serve God, no matter what the situation is, he brings in the footnote from the Baal Shem Tov that every Jew has 42 moving, st- moving stations in your life throughout your life. All the Jews had it 42 times in those 40 years. He says, a person, Bashenta says, a person go, will go through during your lifetime, you're going to go through 42 moving stages. So if something happens to you that you move in this way or that way, could happen your job, your family, at a location, many different things, 42 things of movements will happen. So you should know that during the time of exile, you have the strength of Matos in a way of moving faster and higher and higher. And so to the third idea, that we said matos, which is the strength of the soul that gets revealed through this matos, is also in a way of masai, because the parshas are together. So the strength also is a moving objective. Everything you move to higher than where you started off before, till you reach to such a high level that you reach to a place that's such a strength that's even higher than a strength of the source of your soul. Think of it like this. Let's say a person starts, let's say you, you, let's say you jump from, from five feet and you went down to the ground. Now the goal is to jump back up higher than five feet. Otherwise, what would be the point of the descent? So that means you're going down, but the point is to get back up higher. So when your soul starts up at whatever high level that is, it comes down into this world. After 70, 80, 120 years, the goal is for your soul to reach a higher level than before it was, than where it was before. Because it's the strength of the soul that has limitations to it. But through serving Hashem in a way of matos in the exile... Your neshama now reaches to a place that you tapped into a place of infinity. Once you moved into infinity, now you're going to a whole new higher level. And you now are drawn in, as it says, with the king, with Hashem, and you now become one level with the essence of the highest levels of God. On the other hand, Masai, which is the reward of moving, the neshama is... It, it, it's, it's not in a different time and space, but it comes together with Masai. That means that even at that moment, when you're doing it with strengths, the Jew is down here, 
but he also has a ride moving upwards. Now, these two ideas, we can now understand that specifically when Matos and Masai are together, we also have a new Parsha in the three weeks. As we said before, when Matos and Masai are together, you have Pinchas also during the three weeks, like we had last Shabbos, right? Remember, 17th of Thomas was on Thursday a week ago. So then we had Parsha Pinchas, and now we're Matos Masai. So you have now four Parshas. What's the significance of Pinchas here? And some years, as I said, you could even have Balak. So he says, the reason what you have Pinchas here is to answer this question. A person could ask a question and say, how is it possible to demand from a Jew that every time I have movement in my life, that I should stand strong and be firm and not be a weakling and get pushed over? How is it possible? There are many movements in a person's lifetime that are ups, downs. You could have total extremes in a person's life. So how is it possible that we could demand from a person to be always matos, be strong and firm? How is it possible? When you say that the Jews moved, they traveled from, from Ramses, when they left Egypt. Well, when they left Egypt, it was such a high point of our lives. It was open in the eyes of the Egyptians. Everybody saw we left. So of course we were at a high point. But there were other travelings that led to, in the desert, in the Sinai Desert. How's it possible to keep on going up and up with such a, such a firm strength? How could you ask from a Jew to be strong? Even think of this, he gives two examples, which are, again, in Parsha Matas, Masai, because he brings down all 42 steps. One of the stops that we had, one of the places was called Ritma. And the commentaries tell us, and Rashi brings it down, the name Ritma comes from the idea of talking Lashon Hara, which was the Meraglim, the spies. They spoke negatively about the land of Israel. That, that happened, that story by Ritma. So Ritma shows on a place that we landed in, where we, that we were in our travelings, that was a negative travel. We also have Evel Hashitim which is a place of mourning that had to do with the sin of the idol worship of the Pa'ar, which was that one where people defecated in front of these idols and so on. So that was that kind of idol. That was another sin. So again, how could you ask and demand that we should always be a matos no matter what kind of ride you have in your life? Everybody knows. What did we say many times? The only people that don't have ups and downs in their life are the people that you don't know well, right? Because everybody has ups and downs. So how is it possible to expect every person to be matos, firm, strong, no matter what your circumstance in life? So he says, for this, the answer comes from Parsha Pinchas. When you're strong and you serve God with your own strengths, your own existence, well, then everything's going to be in a limited fashion. Therefore, you're right. It's, if you do things with your own strength, you may not be strong enough to travel strongly and firmly through every traveling of your life. But when you serve God with a strength like Pinchas did, which means he was a zealous kind of attitude. What does that mean, zealous? Not for anything negative, but it means I'm zealously firm. 
I want to give you an example that I once heard from my grandfather, and it will help us to understand this piece of the Sicha. He once said that he, his rabbi that lived in Baltimore, his name was Rabbi Aksarad, he said that his rabbi used to wear his hat, he had a black hat, but he used to wear his kippah sticking out in the outside of his hat. So somebody once asked him, why do you have to have your kippah sticking outside of your hat? Put your kippah on under the hat, and the hat should cover the kippah. So he said, look, he said, my evil inclination is always active. When my evil inclination is going to get me, and I'm going to end up coming to, to the evil inclination to give in, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell my evil inclination I'm going to start with one step. I'll give in to you, and I'm going to put my kippah into, under my hat. Which is obviously, it's a total wild extreme thing because there's no sin of having it under it, sticking out, it means nothing. But he was looking for, to be an extremist, so when he has to give in, he'll give in to something that doesn't really matter. The point is, back to this, if we're going to be like Pinchas and behave in some kind of zealous way, meaning that you set yourself with a firm grounds that I, would, I will serve God with self-sacrifice in front of anybody, then with that introduction of attitude, then you'll always be able to be ready for any kind of curveball that comes in your life. And it will make no difference if the traveling is easy, traveling hard, because you will know that every traveling in your life comes from God. So it's the attitude, if you take the Pinchas methodology of being ready to be wild for the sake of God, then when you need extra strength, you'll find a place inside you, you'll be able to do it. And therefore it's understood that the completion of this connection of Matos together with Masai is specifically when you have Pinchas also in the three weeks. That's what's fascinating. And some years, like we said, you could even have Balak because the end of Parshas Balak is where you actually have the story of Pinchas doing his zealous activity. So you, not just the reward which is in Parshas Pinchas, but yeah, the thing itself that happens in Balak. So that's why some years Balak is read also when the 17th of Thomas and Tishubah is on a Shabbos. So that shows you this extra strength specifically in a year like this of Matas and Masias together. Now he says, the so same too, you could ask a question regarding the connection of Matas and Masia regarding the reward. You could say, how is it possible for the soul, especially when it comes down into the exile during the three weeks, to come to the level of Masai, which is the traveling and having this extra Eitan level of your soul reveal yourself. How is it possible to get to that, to a higher level than your soul itself? I'm deep getting into a deep level of my soul that's even, that deep level is even higher than the soul itself. What does this mean? And even more, that it should lighten up, it should brighten up my soul the way it's in the exile. You could, uh, you could say, when you say the reward for Bechol Mo'etecha, when you say the Shema, you say Bechol, and then you say Bechol Levavcha, with all my heart, then you say with all my soul, then you say with all my might. Might, when you say Mo'etecha, Bechol Mo'etecha, it says that the Neshama could reach that through coming down into this world, but when is, when will you really see that level with all my might in a revealed way? Actually, when you're dead. In other words, when your soul detaches itself from the body. After it does its service in this world, but not while you're alive. So how is it possible in the connection of the two parshas to really be able to get to this highest level when it seems like you can't get to that level while you're really alive? 
So over here you have also the answer of, par- of Pinchas. When you have Pinchas being read in the three weeks, like this year, it's a fascinating idea that he's revealing to us this whole concept and you realize that not just is the three weeks such a negative time, it shows and I, that we have the superhuman powers during the three weeks when it's like this, especially the Pinchas in the three weeks. Because as long as you serve Hashem in a way that it's about me, then everything is limited. But when you serve God, when it's not about me, it's not about my levels of how much I can do, stop making calculations. Then you could reach a place of outer space. Because since your attitude of serving God is an outer space kind of attitude, therefore the strength that you have is also an outer space, a non-limited kind of level. Like it says that you could become literally in the highest level one with God, as it says, which means that your spirit, your soul, will return to Hashem and become like one. And when you serve Hashem in this kind of way of self-sacrifice, literally, that is the ultimate level of purifying your body and elevating it and returning it to a highest level that's infinite, an infinite traveling. Now, the fact that this whole idea is specifically when Matos and Maso is read together in the same Shabbos, and sometimes it could be in the three weeks when you even have the 17th of Thomas, as we said before, and even Tishabav could be also on a Shabbos some years, like the time when he said the Sicha. So you could, this explains us even to another beautiful idea. The connection of everything that we said before to the connection of Matos and Masi mainly is regarding the Neshama that comes down into this world in a way of Matos. The Rebbe brings down in the Tanya, and the Rebbe says that your Neshama itself does not need to get fixed. That's not why your neshama comes down to this world because it needs a correction. It comes down to fix a body and the animal soul and anything that's possible to be elevated. That's why your neshama comes down to this world to work on that. Therefore, it's understood that the main strength of matas and so to the rewards and all the levels that we said before is not just regarding the neshama the way it strengthens over all obstacles and concealments of the body and the egg and the darkness of this exile. But mainly the idea is, is to transform the body to be able to become a vessel for godliness and that transforms darkness into light. This strength that the Neshama has by coming down here is not a novelty because the neshama really to begin with was one thing with godliness. Therefore, when it comes down to this world, the novelty is on the journey for the body and the animal soul. When you use out your service to Hashem in a way of matos with this firmness of strength and you transform, you force basically anything that's the opposite of good to now also serve a God, meaning you're making things that seem like the nature is not to serve God, you make that also serve serve God, until the animal soul loses its identity because that's also starting to serve God. And now we can learn something amazing also from the 17th of Thomas when it happens in the beginning of the three weeks and Parshas Balak. The whole point of this journey of the three weeks, what's the point of this whole three weeks? Is not to keep it as a three weeks of destruction. The goal is to transform it and make it into days of holiday. And that's going to happen when the fast days itself are going to turn into Sasson and Simcha like it's brought down in the Haftorah of Jeremiah. And we could say 
now you can say a fascinating point. In the Haftorah, God tell, tells him, take for yourself a makal shaykat, shakat, which means take for yourself an almond stick. What a, what's an almond stick? Why did he tell him to take an almond stick? So it says that Hashem was hinting to Jeremiah that what I told you, that the destruction is going to come, it's going to come fast. My prophecy that I told you is going to come fast like the speed that almonds grow. That's why it says that the three weeks of 17th of Thomas to the Tishabah, how many days is three weeks? 21 days. How long does it take for almonds to go from its blossoming till it's fully ripe? Almonds, it takes 21 days. That's how long it takes for almonds to grow. That's why Hashem used this word here, the almonds. Now we understand that this hints to us not just to the opposite of good, that He said it will, I will hate the, 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 that the destruction will come fast. It also means the positive, that the promise, the good things will come out also super fast. Like the Alter Rebbe explains regarding the, the, the staff that Aaron had. Right, so it says that the miracle happened to the staff after it ate up the other magicians' uh, snakes, and then his stick ate up their sticks, and his snake he theirs, his stick didn't even come fatter. And then it says that almonds miraculously grew on Aaron's staff. Why? Because to show you that through Aaron things will work quick, the blessings go quick. Like it's the it's the fastest. Edible thing to grow is almonds, 21 days. And now, while the 17th of Thomas and Tishba could fall it on a Shabbos, it pushes off the fast from Shabbos. And not just that it just transformed the days of the three weeks to be happy days, but it turns all morning to be happy. And that's what it means also regarding Shabbos. It says regarding Shabbos, Mizmar Shir, Leyim HaShabbos. Now the Talmud says that when it says you're going to sing a song for Shabbos, Shabbos is because that's the day that there will be Shavas. It will be removed. There will be a removing of all dangerous creatures. In other words, when Mashiach comes, the world will be like a Shabbos. There will be no more dangerous animals in the world anymore. That Tzemach Tzedek says, what's greater? There will be no more dangerous animals or that the dangerous animals won't be dangerous anymore. It's a big difference. Do you say, let's say, that lions won't exist anymore? Or do you say that the lions will now not be a dangerous species? That's a higher level, that the animals will still be here, but they won't be dangerous. right? The wolf will be able to live with the lamb and so on. That's going to be the higher level of the messianic era. Mashiach comes. Not that the dangerous things won't be here. The dangerous things will turn into good and not be dangerous. So too, we have this on Shabbos, in the beginning of the creation. It actually says that the first Shabbos, it's a fascinating thing. Two minutes. A fascinating thing. It says that the first Shabbos, there was 36 hours of light. How could you have 36 hours of light? Because Friday was light, right? And Friday it was light. Friday night it never turned dark. And Shabbos day was light. How do we know this? Because the first six days it says, Vahi er, Vahi boker. It was evening and it was morning. Shabbos, it doesn't say it was evening. Because it never turned dark. Shabbos is all about being light. That's why there are some Jews, that's what I hear, don't want to sleep on Shabbos. 
because Shabbos is truly not dark. Now, that means that the ultimate completion level, that's what I heard, by the way, that the Rebbe never slept on Shabbos. They say that they, they, people say that that's the reason. Okay, any, in any case, that's the whole goal of this world, is to transform the darkness into light. The turnover, the transformation of the three weeks into light, and that comes out in the 17th of Thomas, especially when it's on Shabbos, because that's like preparing the cure for the disease of turning it over. And that makes it lighter, leichter, to serve Hashem during these three weeks because you have matos and you have maso, you have firmness, and that leads to transforming yourself and elevating and moving in high speed. That's called transforming your animal soul. And so too, that because of the Parsha in the Torah, Parsha's Balak. What happened in Parsha's Balak? It's true the end of the Parsha talks about the story of Pinchas. But remember this, Bilam, the prophet, who was the arch enemy of the Jews, even in some ways more than Balak, he was the complete opposite of Moses. And he wanted to curse the people. And Hashem said, Hashem is not, He said, God will not allow me to curse. And what happened? His words transformed. It turned into, instead of being cursed, it turned into blessings. And even more, as the end of the prophecy goes, in the end of times, when we're going to have the revelation with Mashiach, and we're going to go out of this exile from completely out of these three weeks. And while we have everything together, Matos, Masay, when they're together, and we read it together with Parshas Pinchas, especially in the years where you have also Balak, it, it, this all hastens the, the turning over of these days to joy, taking the almond stick, and it, it speeds us into the time with Mashiach, and like it says, Shekadati Hashem, like hastens our entry into Israel with Mashiach level, a kind of, Israel, that kind of level of speed, and it should happen in one moment, in one at one second, and this will bring to Mashiach in a way where it's down here, lower than the ten tefachim, as it's known, the expression meaning it's literally down here. So this is this beautiful strength that we have from this combination of parshas uniquely to this year.